Freedom is all about choices. And while there is only one Jeep brand, you have the freedom to choose from an epic lineup of Jeep brand vehicles. Hit the trails with a versatile classic, the Jeep Gladiator, or experience the wild in style with the sophistication and comfort of the Jeep Grand Cherokee or Jeep Grand Cherokee 4xE. Looking for a more immersive experience? Let nature come to you in the open-air Jeep Wrangler or Jeep Wrangler 4xE, America's best-selling plug-in hybrid. Whatever you choose, adventure is just one drive away. Visit Jeep.com for details. Based on 2022 CYQ4 sales, GD Power retail sales data, Jeep is a registered trademark. Welcome to the Midlife Mail Podcast, a podcast designed to help men maximize middle age and live healthier, wealthier, stronger, and happier. I am Greg Scheinman, and I'm inviting you to join the thousands of men who listen each week, receive my Midlife Mail newsletter, and are committed to making this next phase of life our best phase. If you have not yet downloaded my No BS Guide to Maximizing Midlife, where I break down the three principles to maximizing middle age and taking back some of that shit you've given up, head on over to midlifemail.com forward slash no BS guide. Guys are loving these three principles to maximizing middle age, and you can download your copy today at midlifemail.com forward slash no BS guide. Here we go. It is Midlife Mail Podcast time. Greg Scheinman with you. Thank you guys so much for joining me this week and every week on the pod. If you like what you hear, please give us that five-star rating. Leave us that nice review and share the show with your friends and people you know. Keep the Midlife Mail movement growing. We are going to talk about fashion today. Fashion is one of my six Fs family and fitness and finance and food and fashion and fun. And if you are ready to look your best, I'm going to give you some help with that today. We got Tanner Guzzi on the show. He is the founder of MasculineStyle.com. You can also find him on Instagram at Tanner Guzzi. And he is a men's style coach. And the thing that makes Tanner different from other style coaches out there is that rather than just telling you what to wear, He actually helps you know what you should be wearing. And his goal as a coach is to make himself obsolete. And he will teach you the concepts of context, fit, tribe, location that allow you to make great clothing decisions for the rest of your life. And this stuff is important. This is not just about clothes and shopping and price points and looking like you're on the cover of GQ. This is about confidence. This is about how you feel. This is about how clothing is connected to all other areas of your life and that it matters in the way that you are perceived, in the way that you perform. And this is a really important conversation to have right now as we dive into masculinity As we got people working from home, venturing out back into the world, we talk about performance clothing. We talk about work clothing. We talk about finding or establishing a uniform, how to be efficient, how to be effective, quality over quantity. Really good conversation, really good episode. And what Tanner does is actually very much aligned and connected with what I do as a performance coach. 
So this was a lot of fun to do. Uh, I enjoyed the conversation. I think that you guys will as well. So without further ado, let's just get into it. Midlife Mail Podcast, Tanner Guzzi, let's go. I am just stoked that you're here, man. Thanks for coming on. Dude, I'm pumped to be here. So thanks for having me. This is one of my favorite topics. Awesome. Like man to man, okay? Just coming out and saying like, hey, one of my favorite things to talk about is fashion and style. Awesome. Mm -hmm. And clearly it's, it's, it's your thing. (laughs) Yeah, a little bit, a little bit. (laughs) Just, just a little bit. So, so the first thing I I really even just want to ask you, like, how did this become, you know, your, your thing? Say, listen, this is what I'm going to center my life around. Yeah, man, that's a, that's a fun question because I would imagine it's similar to a lot of, a lot of guys, especially a lot of your listeners who are already kind of like established and a lot of them may have found their way into something they weren't expecting. Um, I had little trickles of it or little insights to it along the way where I remember in junior high school, uh, I was going to a private school and I was a punk rock kid. And so I had to go to a school where I had to wear the white stripes or like the white shirt with the rep stripe tie and the Navy blazer. And I wanted green Liberty spikes and a leather battle jacket with all my band patches. And so I was torn between these two worlds that had these very disparate identities and also very aesthetically driven identities. You know, you had to wear the uniform of either the private school or you had to wear the uniform in order to be accepted by the punk rock crowd. And so I remember finding out very early on how much my own sense of identity, my own sense of belonging, my own sense of um, who my people were and everything was really tied to and correlated by what my clothing was. But it didn't really start to turn into a career option until I started writing a blog back in 2010 when people still wrote blogs. I started a blog called Masculine Style and it was mostly, I was trying to sharpen my voice because I wanted to do uh, talk radio. I have a degree in broadcast journalism and so I, I wanted to get into radio and doing stuff like that. And I got really sick of talking about politics and I thought, well, there's, you know, there's a need to talk about style and how it relates to men because all the other stuff is just this like, do, wear this or don't do that. And it just seemed like a more fun topic for me. And man, did it just start to pick up some momentum. And I, I never, if you would have told me 15 years ago that this would be what I was doing, that I was an entrepreneur, that I would be coaching high caliber men on how they should be thinking about the way that their appearance relates to their confidence, their identity, the way that they see themselves, the way that they can use it to set themselves up for more success in the future. I, I wouldn't have even thought that was possible. So I definitely fell into this kind of like bass backwards, which has been a blast. It, it's awesome. And I love the way those things happen. You know, how you set out, you know, in life on one path or when you just kind of follow that passion, say, listen, I'm just going to get out there and I'm going to start writing and here's how, and people pick up on it. And I get, you know, the why, like, okay, this interests me and everything, but take me through a little bit of, of the how, where I think sometimes people get lost. You know, what does that mean? Like when the blog goes from, you know, a tree falling in the woods, okay. To, all of a sudden people are following and how opportunities present themselves and you kind of get to that position as you're fielding them saying yes to no, some things, no. And, and that process of, oh, I actually really can do something with this here. I think a lot of guys, you know, they have the hobbies mm-hmm. or maybe they've let a lot of their hobbies go, right. you know, or they keep hearing I'm supposed to maybe quit and follow my passion and maybe that's not the responsible <laughs> right. thing to do, you know, or I can start writing on Sunday mornings, which is even the way my whole thing started, you know, and the next thing you know, people are listening. And then, so I love, I'd love for you just to kind of dig dig into the how a little bit you kind of navigated it 
Okay, yeah. Um, well, the way that it really kind of started to turn into something real, I mean, it picked up momentum because I was writing about, I wasn't writing for an audience that was already interested in men's style and men's fashion. I was writing about it, um, mostly at first, it was to an audience that was interested in uh, dating and learning how to do things like pickup and stuff like that, which is funny because I was I was already married when I was doing this, but I had kind of fallen into this part of the corner of, of the internet related to like masculinity. And it started with pickup and turned into red pill and all this other stuff. And so I was writing about it primarily about how there is a relationship between masculinity and aesthetics and clothing and fashion and style. Whereas most guys have this kind of like real men don't care how they look almost antithetical approach to it. And so I think it was a little bit disruptive in that way where I could talk about it, not just from a fashion sense of, you know, here are the three shoes that you need to have in your wardrobe this summer based on what GQ is saying, but really like how have men, how did men in ancient Sparta or how did men in, uh, in Rome or in like British aristocracy, how did they use clothing as ways to signal things? And what are the universal principles that we can pull from that? And so I think it was taking a different tact that started to build some momentum into it. But the, the way it started to turn into a job or, you know, turn into my career was honestly, um, my wife was uh, about to give birth to our first child. We have five and we're both very traditionally minded in that we didn't want her to have to work. I needed to be able to provide full time for my family. And uh, I wasn't able to find better work. Part of it was because this was 2012 and we were still dealing with some of the recession and the fallout. Part of it was that I had been previously married and my uh, my ex-wife was pretty vindictive and had ruined my reputation. And so if you were to do a Google search on me, it would just be pretty negative stuff. And I had gotten enough emails from enough clients, or not even clients, enough emails from enough readers asking me questions. But I thought, well, maybe I could put together like a style guide and I can sell it for 25 bucks a pop and we can see if we can make things work. And that first month I made 400 bucks and it was enough to just kind of make it so we didn't have to ask mom or dad for help or, you know, go donate plasma to, to pay the bills that month. And we kind of scrimped along for a long time. And, you know, I, there were definitely some like twists and turns along the way where that led to me working for a custom suit company. And I was with them for four years and I had really for a long time debated, do I abandon masculine style to focus on working with this company because there were opportunities to grow within there, but there wasn't enough t autonomy. And then it was, you know, I'm going to leave this. I'm going to focus on, on my own business, but it was, I'm going to go the route of what a lot of guys do, which is try to build up a YouTube channel. And all of my revenue is based on company sponsorships and kind of shilling their products. And I never really could make that work because of the way that I talk about stuff didn't <laughs> jive that way. And then it still felt like I had a boss. And so I was a good eight years in to my journey on this before I figured out that one-on-one -on -one coaching and doing it in a, in a high capacity and really working with guys to teach them to think about their style the same way that I do, teach them to be as expressive and articulate with their clothing as they are with their words and, and taking them and, and taking that kind of approach. Yeah, I was, I was eight years in before I even figured out how to make it so that it was something that not only replaced what previous jobs were, but then became something that was a great opportunity for me to be able to provide a good living for my family. So it was a, yeah. it's a long time. It it is, and thank and thank you for sharing that because what I what it does also is it puts things in perspective. You know, it helps us to put things in perspective about 
how long it takes mm-hmm. you know, to find your voice, you know, to, to find where there's that path and that opportunity. In oh, there. Yeah. It's like, okay. And there are so many different angles and obstacles along the way. And I think also with you choosing fashion and men, men's fashion and style, it's about, it can be about as expensive as, as you get, you know? So I can also think about the struggle of, I'm going to try to make a living here and here's a few hundred bucks coming in or this coming in, but I'm really interested in style and fashion. And guess what? All of these things cost a lot of money. Yeah. You know? yeah. Like, And that's kind of what, so we get into, again, that quality over, over quantity, you know, or how you approach that. Um, and does style equate to money also? You know, how no. do you see that? No. No, um, there are definitely ways that you can communicate better if you have access to more variety or to higher quality clothing. But one of the coolest things about style is, again, you go back, you kind of zoom out from the West in the 20th century, and you go look at any other culture. You go look at the way that uh, people in Ukraine would have dressed in the 1500s, or you go look at the way that uh, natives in Maya would have dressed and they, the, the things that these people are making out of their own resources, whether that's local dyes or it's shearing their own sheep and weaving wool or, you know, local linens or anything, but there's very different aesthetics and they would still use these things to be able to signal things like status or honor or courage or mastery or all of these other things that are inherently masculine. And you can still do that today. If you, and it doesn't mean you have to like, you know, go shear your own sheep and weave your own wool, but you can do that on a budget by going out and thrifting or by going to some of the fast fashion places like H&M or Zara. And you can do it in a way that you can execute really, really well on your style if you don't want to spend a lot of money or you don't have a lot of money to be able to spend for sure. Mm -hmm. And it's, it's a great point. You know, I, I spent some time in Europe and I studied abroad in Italy and Florence when, when I was back in college. I say, use the term studied very loosely because okay. I didn't do much of it while I was there. But one of the things you do pick up on is the commitment to caring about your appearance and how you look mm-hmm. and how you could also not really differentiate between, let's say, the very wealthy, if you will, and maybe the, the not as well, because the, the premise there was I would rather have one fantastic suit, right? Custom made suit fitting perfectly tail like to the, then 10, you know, yeah. less expensive, you know, less, lesser quality. So I'd rather really take care, you know, and curate my wardrobe, even if I can only have one, one right. great pair of shoes, one great, and I'm going to wear that for a very long time, take good care of it. So you could never tell. Totally. Really. You know, and I thought there was something really, really great about that, you know, about in the manner that, okay, I found something, I invested in it, it makes me feel a certain way, I can go out with this confidence, you know, and I can come back and take care of it. Maybe I don't have a closet full of it, okay, but, you know, quality goods, you know, present a quality image, present a quality of life. And I just like the way that that kind of felt. Mm-hmm. Well, and think about what that reinforces in their own heads as far as I I buy the best I can and I take good care of it. And I am discriminating in my taste as opposed to, oh, I'll just wear whatever t-shirt my company gave out or I got from this conference because, hey, it doesn't fit terribly on me. But but there's a, there's a level of self-respect and discipline that you get to reinforce in your own head every time you see yourself in the mirror or you look at yourself on a Zoom call or you see yourself in on a social media post of 
I'm somebody who, who puts time and energy into this. And maybe it's not that I have this massive wardrobe, but the stuff that I do have, I bought it with purpose and I put it on with purpose that morning. And it's, it's a really good way to, uh, to reinforce a, a good self-perception for you. Mm-hmm. And, and I think it's all connected and maybe you see it this way, you know, this way too. I think it's all connected that if mm-hmm. you care about your health and you care about your appearance and you care about your family and you care about your finances, I think you're taking really the same philosophy. You know, yeah. there's a common thread throughout, throughout all of it. I don't believe that the guy that doesn't care about what he eats or drinks or puts in his body or anything else is going to also then all be impeccably dressed, impeccably tailored, you know, and really care about that. No. I just, I don't see that correlation. If you're not exercising or can't in the gym or taking care of what you look like, I don't see you in a very well-fitted golf shirt, you know, or anything. Right. It just doesn't seem to, it doesn't seem to connect, you know, there, whereas all these things are connected in, in the other way that we're, that we're looking at it. Yeah. And mm-hmm. I think a lot of men miss out on that because we are in a culture, especially in the United States in the 20th, 21st century, really kind of the West in general, where you definitely have an emotional relationship with your appearance, you guys who are listening, but the one that you've been brought up with is that you have to have an antipathy for concern about your appearance, that the only way to be a man and think about your clothes is I don't want to think about my clothes. I'm just going to wear whatever is comfortable. And it's, Something that, imagine thinking that it was that way where we, we applied it to any other of these, any of, any of your other success, where the most masculine man or the only way to take an approach to fitness is, I don't care. I'm not going to care. The, the most masculine dude is the one who has the worst resting heart rate and can't lift anything and is just completely obese and just looks disgusting. Like that's the most masculine guy. Or it's the guy who is the worst when it comes to his spending and his saving habits or has no capacity to actually generate wealth or offer value for what he's doing. Like he's just, he's just poor or he's ripping people off or he's doing whatever. It's really ridiculous when we think about it within one of these other arenas. Masculinity is never measured by antipathy for that arena. But when it comes to style, we've been programmed for so long to think that that's the only masculine way to do it. And it's not. And what you'll find, and this is what most of my clients find, because I only work with guys that have already started to improve one of the, some of their other Fs. Your finances have to be good. Your fitness has to be at least making some progress so I can see, are you serious about where you're getting when you tell me, I got 50 pounds to go, okay, you got 50. Have you dropped another 50? So I know you're working there. But as you, <laughs> but as you do this, as you start to inject a concern for your aesthetics and your clothing into it, you find that you do end up making more money or your relationship with your family does start to improve or it is easier to start. I was thinking about this today as I was getting dressed where I put on a pair of pants that uh, I've been going through a cut and it's so nice that it's not nagging me in the back of my head that they're too tight, but that they actually fit the way that they're supposed to. And that kind of reinforces that, hey, this cut is working. I'm making progress. And so when I'm tempted to you know, pick off my kids' peanut butter and jelly sandwiches, it's a lot easier to say nah because I know how well I, how much better I feel in the fact that my clothes fit. And so by getting all of your style dialed in, it improves all of those other arenas too. None of these exist in a box or on an island. They all work very synergistically with each other. Absolutely. Who are the types of guys that come to you, you know, for, for coaching? And I guess at this point, it's a little bit, and I'm curious, guys that are coming to you and then also how you maybe and tell me whether you do this or not, are seeking out types of guys, you know, archety- avatars, types of guys. They're like, I, 
I want to work with that type of guy, yeah. you know? So do you go after that as well? Or at this point are mostly, you know, guys coming into you and are the types of guys coming to you in a way similar to the types of guys that you would also want to want to go after and be like, that's the guy I really want to turn around, you know? And work definitely. With. Definitely. Yeah. I would say probably the, the two biggest demographic swaths that I have are one, um, it's blue collar business owners because they find themselves in this really kind of tricky world of they still physically do a lot of labor and then they also have a lot of laborers that work under them. And so if they dress up, if they dress up, then they separate themselves. They separate themselves physically from the ability to do the job, but then they also separate themselves socially and from this kind of like interactivity from the guys that work for them where it's like, oh, he's the boss and he's all prissy and he's in his ivory tower and all of that. But at the same time, if they just dress like another laborer, then they then they're too separated from investors or from their clients or from contractors or from the city or from whoever else it is that they're working with, and they sacrifice professionalism, and so they're not able to grow their business in the way that they want to and scale it up. And so, a lot of these guys, we work on cultivating a wardrobe that is going to be functional and still not completely separate them from their labor, but at the same time, still indicate scalability, professionalism, that I'm not just another laborer as well. So that's that's my first group. And then my second group are men who are actually like really perfectly kind of who you talk to, where it's guys who hit their middle age and they are very self-improvement minded. Maybe it started with, you know, a relationship that crashed and burned. So they start to learn things that happen there or they kind of woke up and it's like, oh, my fitness is garbage. And they so, so they start to, to take care of that as well. But they start to make these improvements and they get very self-development minded. They get their finances dialed, they get their fitness dialed, they get their relationships dialed, and then they see this glaringly obvious deficit in their wardrobe and they go, oh crap, I got to bring this up so it matches everything else because it now drives me crazy that I'm wearing the same crappy clothes that I did for the last 20 years when everything else about my life has improved so much. And so it's helping those guys out too. So those are, those are my two biggest kind of like demographic overlaps. What comes first? We just talked about the things being all connected and everything. Mm -hmm. But what comes first? If if that's it, is it? Let's go out and cultivate the wardrobe, curate the wardrobe for the man you you want to be, mm -hmm. or let's start working on the, the maybe the food, the nutrition, the fitness, the other things for, and then. You start seeing those changes, as you said, you're on a cut right now. And it's like, right. okay, you start seeing those changes. You're like, oh, now I do really want to go shopping. Cause I can tell you, you know, that that college t shirt, you know, from 20 years ago, or again, you know, the XL golf shirt right. that never fit me right to begin with really should be a medium. And I'd like to show off, you know, some of the, the fruits of my labor right now. So uh, when it comes to the relationship between fitness and style, I would say that there's not one that comes first. They should be happening simultaneously because they do work very synergistically. Um, if you are, let's say you've got 50 pounds that you need to drop, um, you can go out and you can buy some new clothes right now and buy them cheap because you're gonna, you're gonna shrink down to where they don't work anymore. But what that immediately reinforces is your head, in your head, when you see yourself in the mirror, when you see yourself in any other way, is I'm not the same guy that I used to be. And so that helps you embrace, I'm not the same guy that I used to be. And so it makes it easier to uh, continue with some of these other habits because you've now changed your self-perception. You've changed your story. Let's say you've got 50 pounds to lose. You drop your first 20, 25 and all those old clothes are hanging off of you. But 
it still doesn't look that different. You see differences in the mirror when you don't have your shirt on, but you don't see differences that are that, are that big when you're fully clothed. It's time to change your wardrobe so that every time you see yourself, it reinforces that. Or when other people see you, it reinforces that because they tell you how good you look and how healthy you look and all of that. And then at the very end, when you hit whatever your goal is, then you buy a high quality version of whatever your wardrobe is as a way to one, kind of reward yourself and two, reinforce that this is now my permanent level. I'm not going to yo-yo back. I'm not going to bounce back to what this was before. And I'm certainly not going to waste all this money that I spent on buying this new wardrobe when I'm not going to be able to fit in again in two months because I've completely just lost all discipline. And so do them simultaneously and let them power each other. Totally. To, To that effect also, not everybody is going to be, I want to kind of bring this to a little bit more of a larger thing. Like, we're not all after getting, you know, being super jacked, nope. you know, and everything being for and and being there's there's a big area in there. Hang on, sorry. Now, are you getting my landscapers decided that they were just going to show up? Okay, <laughs> so for you guys listening out there, I may or may not edit this out, but I want you to know that it's Murphy's Law. Every time I'm starting to get right in the middle of a good conversation, really waiting for what's coming back, there's a guy with a leaf blower, okay, <laughs> that comes along. And says, you know what? You're not going to have a perfect day today, Greg. Okay? You know if it wasn't him, it was going to be one of my kids anyway. So we'll keep rolling. <laughs> I'll take the kids, I love the reality though. Bring the kids in, the dog, the cat, anything. But also this whole work from home thing means there's going to be a guy right outside my window. All right? Because he's over there at the neighbors right now. Yep. Thank you guys. Okay. <laughs> Let me give him a second on that. But where, where I was going with this is we're not – we're not exclusive to that jacked, ripped cover model Esquire GQ no. men's health thing. We're not. We're not talking about about that. We are talking and thinking about about caring and being the best version of yourself that you can possibly be. So, I also wanted to talk about fit because I spent a lot of time in corporate, you know, professional services, businesses, and I know you. We all start out in these places and get your first suit and you see how everybody looks, you know, around you and then everyone starts to look the same, you mm-hmm. know. And I've also been around a lot of guys with a lot of money, okay? And at the same time very poor taste at least in my opinion and yeah. certainly very poor fit. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And nothing's bothered me like one of my big pet peeves is that, you know, that $3,000 suit, mm-hmm. That Zenia suit that I'm that just fits like crap. And again, yep. the guy in the Zara and the H and M, okay, just looks like a million bucks. Yeah, and it's you know, because yeah, <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. Talk to me about your your take on fit and how guys should approach fit. Okay. So fit is one of those things that trends oscillate more than anything. You'll go from really baggy to really skinny and it'll go back and forth. And we're already even starting to see this where I remember when I first started writing, it was convincing men to slim down because we were coming out of the late nineties and the two thousands when everything was super baggy. And now it's helping guys realize that hyper skinny fits make you look like you're trapped in 2015. And that's, that's a problem too. But the thing that the, the, the trendiness of this, as far as like the major swings between fits or between styles or anything else is really a young man's game for guys who are in their middle age. You want it to be something that you're aware of it, but you don't go to the extremes on it. The best way that I can compare this is, uh, 
you know, Thomas Jefferson said in matters of principle, stand firm like a rock and in matter of, in matters of fashion, swim with the current, right? <laughs> so the best way to think about it is imagine you're on, you're on this like big river. Maybe it's like, I don't know, the Mississippi or the Potomac or something else. And that river doesn't flow uniformly. There will be parts of it that are flowing incredibly quickly. There will be other parts of it that are almost like eddies or it's just completely dead. And then you're going to have the main body of the current that's just going at a good kind of steady pace. Middle-aged men need to be in that good steady pace where things change and you have to adapt your style every five years, every 10 years to be able to, to maintain things that are current but you don't have to be jumping on every little trend where that current is really fast and kind of choppy and all of that. That's a young man's game. You also don't want to be the guy that's still wearing his suit from 1999 and thinks that he's killing it because it's expensive because then what you're communicating is that you just look like you peaked in 1999 and you haven't grown or progressed since you're dead in the water, you know, to follow that same metaphor. And so that's going to be the same thing with fit. You don't want to go hyper skinny. You don't want to go hyper baggy. You want stuff that's just going to follow your natural lines. You can think, even think about it from an aesthetic standpoint or from like that physicality standpoint where if stuff is a little bit slimmer, and this is going to be the same for suits all the way down to t-shirts, if it's a little bit slimmer in the chest, the shoulders, the sleeves, but you're going to have a little bit more drape down through the waist, down across the hips and the seat, then that's going to give you more of that V taper that most men are more flattered by, irrespective of what your build is. Um, you don't want anything to be one mistake that a lot of middle, middle-aged guys make with their fit is they never think about the length of their pants. And so they're super long and they kind of stack up and are baggy. And not only does that look sloppy and it kills any of the inherent dignity or self-respect you get in a nice pair of jeans or all the way up to a suit, but it also is going to make your legs look shorter. And so it's going to truncate you and make you look shorter and it's going to, and it's going to kill off some of that as well. So, yeah. Let's talk about uniform. Okay. Mm-hmm. Can guys develop, you know, a uniform? Um, and I've even seen this with some of the top designers out there too. These amazingly creative, incredible designers. And you know what? They wear the same thing <laughs> over and over. They, you know, when you talk about trend a little bit versus also, you know, maybe being simple, more iconic, you know, or timeless, you know, mm-hmm. that it's out there. Um, and I do I think that there's a bit of a trend I'm seeing where, Guys are trying to develop a uniform. Say, okay, I do care. I don't want to care like maybe like so much. Can I find something that works, you know, for me, for my body type that again can be somewhat timeless and iconic? And yeah, maybe I'll keep upgrading my t-shirts, the better t-shirts or my pants. I figured out kind of the length, okay? But hey, I'm going to rock this kind of white, you know, dress sneaker, you know, when I can, this kind of, I kind of stay in my lane and have that uniform. Totally. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Especially Mm -hmm. for busy, successful men who deal with the realities of decision fatigue or all of these other things that there is, uh, there's no reason to think any harder about your clothing than it benefits you to do so. Um, And so if you're more energized by having a personal uniform, that yes, it needs to be stylish. A lot of guys want to go the uniform route of I don't care, but then you're not really getting any benefits from that. It should still look good. We can talk about that in a minute if you want to. Um, but yeah, by all means, if you're if you're a guy that needs that, then cultivate a uniform. I've had a personal uniform, honestly, for the last probably three years. And what I've found is at this point, I'm bored with it. And so I'm at a stage now where I'm starting to experiment and explore again, a lot more with my style. And then maybe I'll get to the point where that feels 
kind of like, oh, all my creativity is going here and I'll go back to that being a uniform. And so be willing to oscillate, but that's, that's kind of paying attention to what, what you're getting out of your clothing versus what you're putting into it. And you should always be getting more out of it than you're putting into it. So if that means the uniform, do the uniform. If that means start exploring, start exploring. Yeah, I think it's a great point in not being you know too too rigid. You know, I say okay, getting into you know a new year. Now we're at February first as we're recording this. You know, right now, and so come into a new year. I said, okay, what do I want my look kind of to be? You know, again, where's my lane? So again, I'm not spending so so much time on this. However. I've got the things that I want to wear, the things that make me feel good. Those are in the closet, front, you know, front and center, kind of around you know, that area. And the other things that maybe you know aren't working for me or aren't kind of in this fit or or color palette necessarily anymore that don't feel like 2022 me, you know, in there. Okay, we're gonna move those kind of upstairs, and they may come back around, you know, again. Yeah. But I like that phrase, you know, decision fatigue. Yeah. You know, when I look in there and say. Too many options at this point. Like, okay, we gotta bring that down and say at least for the next six months, maybe a year. Like, I'm staying in, in this lane, but I'm not throwing that other stuff away or getting rid of it because it, it's gonna come back. Like, I may get curious again, right. get creative. I'd be like, where is that thing? I actually feel like wearing that now, right? Or even make the uniform the part of your identity because a lot of guys do that when they adopt a personal uniform. It becomes part of who they are, and then they deal with this dissonance of. I'm bored or I would like to expand, but I, I'm nervous that that's going to change how I see myself or how everybody else sees themselves or sees me. And so their clothing really does become not an expression of their identity, but a root component of their identity. And that's putting the cart before the, before the horse. Do you see that with your clients also in terms of personal and professional? Meaning, hey, here's kind of the part I play, the look that I need. You were talking about a little bit with your blue collar guys mm-hmm. before, but okay, this is the career. This is the job I have and this one. So I got to show up a certain way. I mean, my suit doesn't need to be exactly like everybody else's. Right. You know, I can bring some individuality and certainly some style to this, but there's only maybe so far I can go here, yeah. you know, in this place that I am. And then when I'm on my own time, on my own dime, my personal you know, style uh, is very different. I'm seeing that less and less, and it's mostly because not only were we already starting to move towards more casual clothing, but COVID just created that even more so, where most of my clients don't wear suits, or if they do, we buy one, and that's what they wear for weddings and funerals and that. Like I, I don't really talk guys into suits because most of the time they don't need them. And so a lot of times it's even something like just how to do jeans and a t-shirt and a pair of sneakers the right way, or maybe it's how to do uh, polo and a pair of trousers or something that, you know, there's not a lot of, sadly, and I lament this because I really enjoy being able to get dressed up to go to different environments. I like that I have a very different wardrobe, even when I go out running than I do when I'm lifting, because it puts me in a different, in a different mental state, you know, and when you, when I find that, you know, my wife and I are we're going out to dinner on Friday for her birthday and we're going to wear a certain thing for that. And then we're going to the symphony on Saturday and we're going to wear different things for that. And so I really like, and I think a lot of men miss out on not dressing up for different things and dressing differently mm-hmm. for different things. But at the same time, so many of the environments in which we find ourselves are becoming increasingly more and more homogenized that for a lot of men, it really does just make more sense to kind of tread that middle ground 
and say, I'm going to wear something that, yeah, I'm, I'm not totally killing it here, but I'm not underdressed a ton or I'm not overdressed a ton. And I'm just going to feel like I'm very much myself in whatever environment I find myself. And again, what that comes down to is what's going to make you feel more present in the environment. If you feel like, oh, I have to put on a mask because I have to dress up for this or I have to dress down for that, and that distracts you from being able to be present, that's not the right solution. Or if you feel like, oh, I don't ever get fully immersed because I'm just wearing the same blase stuff everywhere and that makes it so you're less present, then that doesn't work either. So it's very personal in that way. The Midlife Mail podcast would not be possible without the support of some incredible brand partners. I only recommend brands I use, believe in, and trust. And each brand was handpicked by me for a specific reason. I believe in these guys, not just because they're great companies with great people behind them, but because the stuff works. I use these to stay at my peak and I suggest you do too. So go over to midlifemail.com and click on special offers for exclusive Midlife Mail discounts and promotions. I also think that it's not necessarily always what you wear, but how you wear it. Oh, you know, totally. You were talking about kind of the, you know, the spectrum being between even, you know, a suit and jeans and a t-shirt, but wearing jeans and a t-shirt and the right shoes, with the right belt or the right, wa- like you can go anywhere. Like, I oh, mean, yeah. you can look as put together oh, yeah. and almost as dressed up again as the guy in the suit. You know, my clients will look better on in jeans how you and a wear. t-shirt than the vast majority of men will in a three-piece suit because they do it right. Mm-hmm. Totally. And I think you can go, you can go to that show. You can go to that restaurant now. You can go to that party or that event. I mean, I think especially as a man mm-hmm. too, I think we have this advantage a little bit that again, great pair of jeans, great belt, sneakers, you know, or boots from the right company where, you know, as far as even like jewelry, I don't want to get into accessories and stuff. Like I was like, you got a great pair of sunglasses. You got a great watch. You got great shoes on like, and your shit fits like whatever else you're wearing around, like some of those things, like, okay, you know what? You're getting in pretty much anywhere you want. And the guys are looking at you going, okay, he's got his shit together. He's got a few bucks in his pocket. He gets it. Yeah. We got a table for him over there. hundred percent. Yep. So Men's accessories. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Bracelets, watches, necklaces, rings, wedding ring, the only one that I still don't necessarily even wear, you know, at, at this point. What, what can we do? What should we do? What shouldn't we do? At some point, again, I'm 49. Does everything does everything have to come off at a certain age or certain <laughs> things? You know, like can you you wanna I mean, be yourself, but again, as you said, you also don't want to ridiculous. Like you're trying too hard, you know, on any of these things. I don't love, this is just me. Like I don't love super ornate. And at the same time, yeah, like I wear a bunch of stuff, you know, stack bracelets and everything. And some days it comes off, you know, and I wear, I certainly not wearing it. If I'm going to go try to deadlift 400 pounds, (laughs) like there's certain things that also will get into, I'd love to get into performance clothing and stuff like that too, you know, soon. Um, cause I got a gazillion questions for you, but let's just stick on accessories and stuff. Yeah. I'll give you a simple rule of thumb with this one for the vast majority of men, any accessory that you wear needs to have some sort of meaning to it or a story attached to it, because then you will feel better about it. And if anybody asks you about it, then it's not, oh, hey, I picked this up at the mall while I was waiting to get checked out. But there's some sort of component to it. And it's the same thing like we do it with we do it with wedding rings, but you can wear, you know, I have a few bracelets that I wear because they remind me of different milestones. I'm about to hit five years of being self-employed and I'm 
I'm looking at a, a good watch. Like I'm looking at a 1984 Rolex uh, Datejust. You know, it's the year I was born and, and all of that. And there's some symbolism that's associated with it. I wear a necklace that's um, an old East India trading company coin that my wife bought for me. You can wear cufflinks that your grandpa wore at his wedding and it's got a story to it. Or, you know, I've got another signet ring that has religious significance. Like it's, you can you can do whatever accessories you want, but it is infinitely easier to do it if you have some sort of symbolism or memento or story or something else that's associated with it. Mm-hmm. I love that take. That rings true. You know, my dad was a watch guy cool. before he passed away. Cool. Um, so my brothers and I each got one of his ah, watches. Dude, that's mm-hmm. rad. That's such a perfect way to do it. And it's like you know what you can't put a price on, on on that kind of an heirloom or anything else. And the fact I don't wear it often when I do again, it's always asked about. There's always that story. Um, I think it's super, super interesting. One thing that I've tried to do even with my boys now is have a watch that I'm going to give to them yeah. mm-hmm. and take that watch. Like on all of these kind of adventures and make sure that like, there's they know like when it. they, when they finally get it, you know, That's like, so okay, cool. this went up this mountain, you know, this went, you know, into this ocean, mm-hmm. we were together on this or dad hiked Everest and did like, I want them to have these stories to tell, like play with your toys, Absolutely. you know, a little bit and you're like, okay, it should be scratched up. It should be, di- it should be like, I don't want these things in a box. No, you know? no. No, it's out there. So I love when they put it on their wrist, like they still have part of dad. And some of those are shared memories where I remember that gouge because I was with him on that adventure. Totally. I love, I love that. I was writing this down. I love that idea with the 84 date, just like the year you were born. Like, okay, yeah, maybe I should start looking. I was born in 72. So shit. Okay. (laughs) Getting old. If that thing still keeps time, it'll be. Those classic pieces, they'll, they'll, they're bulletproof. They'll hold forever. No, no doubt. Um, I made a note also to circle back on, on, on performance. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And you talked about running versus lifting, you know, different things and getting dressed for different activities. And I relate to this so much. I'm like, okay, outfits for everything in the planning stages on it. But I think that this is a great way to, for guys and to relate to guys about how you can incorporate style and fashion into the things that you're interested about. And again, elevate those experiences, whether you fish, whether you hike, whether you boat, you golf, whether you lift weights or whatever. Again, these things, they, they matter. Right. At least I think they do to me. Like I know, again, just my attitude and my mindset changes so much when I pack really great stuff for a really great trip, yeah. you know, or, or even just going to the gym this morning. I literally, I lay it out like, okay, today's a strength day. Okay. If I'm going to Congo and it's a strength day and my buddies are going to be there, like, what are my heavy lifting clothes, right. you know, that make me feel like I'm going to lift shit yes. off the ground, yes. you know? Which is basically the equivalent of, you know, that hype song that you just feel the beat drop right at the right point, And that's when you know you're going to pull hard. Your clothing can have that same kind of an effect on you. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So- how do you, are you working with clients in that regard too? Like I've got a vacation or I've got a fishing trip coming up, you know what I'm doing? Like, and, and introducing like, like men's journal also, I think I, I always look in magazines mm-hmm. like that too. Like when they've got, you know, the hiking boots, right. the best gear like this and these looks, and there are these looks even for activities that I don't even partake in, uh-huh. but I like the look right. so much. Yeah. I'm like, maybe I should I think. Should start doing this hobby because I like the aesthetic. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. But no, we absolutely do that where we look at it, not just as this is what you wear to work, 
But even like one of the most fundamental things to nail is what you wear when you're hanging out with your wife and kids, when you're just hanging out with your family. Because what it does is it reinforces to you that even in my most comfortable, easy, like sweatshirt, sweat shorts and a, and a t-shirt, that to me, it still looks good. And also that it signals to my kids that dad never really looks dumpy. And so we look at all of it. We look at it from a performance perspective, you know, and even the function of it, you know, for me doing um, Spartan races and all of that, like how do I get a good zero drop with a wide toe box and these components and then the lifting shoes and how do I, it, it's so plugged into all of it from performance to everything else. What are some of your favorites now? Because now, now that you said it, like, okay, so what are some of your favorite? You just mentioned, you know, low drop, wide toe mm-hmm. box, like going to spot. Like, what are you wearing? Um, my favorite for those right now is a company called Ultra. Ultra. And, and yeah, you're a fan? Yeah, big fan. Yeah. And I mean, Go I get the bias that they're Utah-based company, so I get to support that too. But man, their shoes are perfect. I'm, I'm doing their Escalante racers for my street running. I'm doing a marathon. My, one of my goals this year is to do um, a sub four-hour marathon and a four-plate deadlift on the same day. And so I'll do that in my, my Escalante racers. And I do their King's Peak for, uh, for all my trail running and the Spartan stuff. That's that's awesome. I'm a big fan. I got turned on to them by Buddy again in Utah. Cool. I love the Lone Peaks. Yep. And I just got the new Olympus. Oh yeah. Because um, I'm doing this 29029 Jesse Itzler challenge oh, in um, in Snow Basin in Utah in August. Oh, sick. So I'm we'll really playing. Totally. I'm really playing around with again, like trying to find the right shoe to go that kind of that kind of distance, yeah. you know, with and and what works. Uh, love, love that brand. Um, what is your day to, you just mentioned you had a uniform Mm -hmm. I don't even think I asked you, but what's your day to day look? I mean, you're rocking this awesome sweater right now. And and then I want to get into the grooming. Like you grew out the hair Mm -hmm. and the beard. I saw some pictures from like eight, nine years ago, totally different guy. Like I love this transformation stuff. Cool. Thank you. Yeah, the uniform, and again, I'm starting to move away from this, but what it's been for a number of years, especially since I've been self-employed and I'm not in custom suiting and don't wear suits seven days a week anymore, is a pair of uh, good slim denim denim jeans, uh, maybe a dark wash, maybe a light wash, but really simple there. Um, I'm kind of a bit of a sneaker head. I like different styles of sneakers, and that's where my variety would come from. And then I would just wear Henleys, uh, which for you guys who don't know, a Henley is kind of like a t-shirt, but it's got a few buttons up around the collar. You can almost think about like old school mountain man underwear is probably the association that you have most, most often with that. But it's, it's, or you could say it's like a polo without the collar, but it's got the buttons. And those have, that's been my uniform for, for years. And it looks good. Uh, You know, I found brands that for me, based on my build, the fit is good. Um, I don't really ever super stand out being in the suburbs and being, you know, around a bunch of dads and a bunch of families. Uh, but I still always look like I've put some energy and some effort into it. And so it's been very easy for me to just kind of go on autopilot on that for sure. Who makes some of the best Henleys? So this is brand stuff is where things get really hard because it's all so subjective to what your build is. Um, because getting the fit right is really finding the right brands based on yeah what your proportions are so uh to make you guys aware i'm six feet and i'm about 180 pounds and i'm not super shredded but i've got a good v taper to me and my favorite brands for henley's are a company called buck mason um they make some awesome ones and then also another company called kino clothing and a little a little kind of uh 
what disclaimer on that one a little uh like i uh, i helped design those kino clothing ones and so i'm a little biased there yeah how do you spell that k-i-n-o kino yeah. okay awesome the look now when we get outside the clothing itself mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Think there was a shot of you. It was on Instagram. I'll go back. I think it was about eight, nine years ago. There's about a 35 pound differential. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. In you. And you're wearing kind of the short sleeve button down, short hair, kind of like, mm-hmm. and then the opposite picture is I'm dropping in my friend's gym and here you are filling out, you know, a totally different t shirt, but the beard was coming in. The hair, their hair was getting longer. Yeah. Mm-hmm. The transformation process. What was kind of your tipping? Your tipping point, timing of, okay, I'm getting in better shape. I'm growing this out. I'm changing. You can change the clothes, right? You know? But saying I'm gonna, I'm gonna really change my appearance. You know, I'm not gonna be that guy who's had the same haircut for right. all 50 years of his life. Right. You know, like in there. But it's gonna be short. It's gonna be long. I'm gonna grow the beard. I'm gonna cut the beard off. Here's how I'm gonna wear it for a couple of years. Yeah. Yeah, that's a that's a fun question to think about because if I think about my identity, um, I've always played around with different styles. Like I've always vacillated and expo- and experimented with stuff like that, and even with different haircuts. Like I, you know, I, I remember my dad who's had the same haircut for like thirty five years. When I was in high school, he would almost get frustrated with me because it seemed like every six weeks I was trying something new and drastic. But the one thing that never really changed was my body. Um, I was always a pretty skinny kid and, um, I realized when I was about 27, 28, and I tried to put on a pair of swim trunks that I thought I was going to look good in and I didn't look good in that I wasn't skinny anymore. I was skinny fat. And the goal was originally to start strength training just to drop the fat and tighten up. And so I still wanted to be really lean because that was my identity as I was just, I was just a skinny guy. And so I would say the identity change and the real big massive change happened probably within the last three years when not only had I really like, I'd already fallen in love with lifting and how it felt to be in the gym and and lift heavy weights, but I finally got my diet and my hormones and everything else dialed in a way where I put on 30 pounds in a matter of like a year and a half. And that fundamentally changed the way that I saw myself. And then everything else is kind of correlated with that word. Yeah, now my hair is longer because I kind of like being a little bit more of, I like the juxtaposition of a little bit more of kind of this almost like Viking wild man from a build and a grooming standpoint, but juxtaposing that with something that is a lot more clean and refined from a style standpoint. And that I'm not just one dimensional because I don't see myself as super one dimensional anymore because of that change. Mm-hmm. I, I like that a lot. Um, do you also feel maybe whether it's conscious or subconscious that you know, heading in the direction, a little more rugged, more mountain man, the beard and everything, because, and we've talked, we mentioned the term masculinity mm-hmm. a number of, a number of times. And again, I'm the father of, of two boys. You have five kids. What's, right. what's the mix? So it's four girls and a boy. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Okay. It's a lot of, a lot of estrogen in the house. <laughs> <laughs> Where does the boy he's, eight? He's where does the boy two. rank age wise? He's number two. He's what? Number two. Okay, yeah. got it. 
That's interesting. Yeah. I guess I listen, I guess you get what you can you can handle. Right? You know, like yeah. we only make boys, it seems like in my family. And I'm one of three boys. I got two boys. My brother's got That's a boy. What I, expected. I mean, I'm the oldest of five, and it was four boys and a girl. So here we are inverted. <laughs> We've got at least one more in us. So we're hoping for another boy, but we'll see. Yeah. <laughs> but, so what I was gonna ask you about is when you we mentioned the term masculinity and everything, and and you know, I can't grow hair on the top of my head, mm-hmm. you know, anymore. So I'm going to compensate. Now I've been bringing the beard in and, well, and I mean, messing there's around. There's a certain toughness to just doing what you've done, which is just shaving it all as well. There's that leaning into it that is awesome. I appreciate that. I will say, had I known how happy I was going to be in a way being bald and how low maintenance, I would have done this, like the buzz, mm-hmm. when I actually had a hairline too. Because yeah. I think about all the wasted time that I spent on my hair and caring so much about it. And you know, if it had a curl, you wanted it to be straight. Right. If it was the 80, it had to be poofed up. Like whatever you have, you don't like what you have. Right. You know? Had I if had I known then that I would have been so okay with just shaving my head every Friday, yeah. you know? Yeah. And shaving it once a week, you know, and being done with it. I would have done this a long time ago and saved myself a lot of of time. Um, I do find it interesting that as guys go balder, they tend to start growing a beard and putting hair wherever they possibly can. And and now now I'm okay with that too. But I feel like this was going in this direction. The more rugged, the more, you know, beard, you know, hair, everything. I feel like it it stood out more, like in a way, like you're more of the outlier and it stood out more, you know, right. years ago. And now that we're talking about masculinity in terms of even guys, you know, painting their nails and wearing a dress and we can get into this and we don't have to, I don't really give a shit either way. It's like you know, in there, but I do feel like there's this movement of also guys like that our definition of masculinity, if you will, is, you know, look, I want to feel like what makes me feel like a man. Right, you know? right. This is what I want to wear. This is what, you know, my facial hair is going to look like. I like the lines, even some of the wrinkles, the boot, the ruggedness of the whole thing that I've got some pride in that now. Totally. I'm not telling anybody else what to do. I'm simply saying that like where I fall on the side of masculinity and look in those other things is, okay, I think that's pretty obvious in my appearance and, and I am making that a conscious decision to put, I'm not hiding that. Right. Right. And I think Mm -hmm. we're going to see more and more of that because as we get more of this cultural push towards androgyny, then you're going to have men who reject that for whatever reason. For me, it's a moral reason, but whatever your reason is for rejecting that, you don't want to be associated with it in any way. And so you start to move in this other direction. This is why even the whole idea of dressing poorly and dressing really sloppily came came to be is because back in the 70s 80s and 90s we'd all been convinced that the only guys who put any apparent any effort into their appearance were gay guys that were interested in attracting other dudes and so if that wasn't you and you didn't want to be confused for that again whether that was for moral implications or you just want to make sure you were attracting women and, and not dealing with attracting guys you went out of your way to dress in a way that looked like you didn't care and so i do think that we're going to see more and more men approaching a very intentionally masculine aesthetic to avoid any association with the androgyny that we continue to get pushed more and more onto us. Mm-hmm. Now we're both fathers. So we, got, we covered, we covered that. How do we approach this with our kids? And again, I'm, I'm middle-aged guy. I'm 49 years old. My wife's 52. We got two boys, 15 and 18. Mm-hmm. How do we approach 
style, caring, fashion, or by the way, my definition of style, caring, fashion, masculinity, certain things may be very different, you know, from my kids and what they're able to do. Right. At the same way, I can't wear you know, what they wear. Right. Yes, I love the hoodie that my son brought home and, and, and certain, but like if I wear it, it's not going to be a good look showing up to his basketball game. Right. You know? Right. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. And I think that the best way to approach it from a fathering perspective is to understand it well enough to be able to teach them to see what the ramifications are. Because most kids naturally are going to be exploring this stuff, especially because when you're a kid, especially late elementary school through early high school, and you're trying to establish your identity, so much of it is I'm going to dress the way that I want my identity to be. And then I'm going to, you know, I'm going to build my identity around my friends and around the aesthetic as opposed to the other way around. But so for me, the approach that we're taking is one, we are, we make it a point to right now where our kids are young enough, we dress them very well. Um, we don't do any of the, uh, we don't, we don't do any of the really like logoed stuff or anything else like that. Um, there's, I, I don't, I don't understand kids wearing pajamas to school and, and that kind of stuff. And we don't necessarily spend a ton of money on it, but we dress our kids very well. And not only do we reinforce how that's part of their own kind of measure of self-respect, um, but also they get a lot of compliments. And so they start to see that from other people that aren't mom and dad too. And as my two oldest start to expand more and more, then I'm then I want to treat it the same way that I do with my clients, where it's not, hey, I have the right answer for you on this. It's I want to give you the right tools and help you start to learn how to use them the right way. And so I'm really excited for my kids to get really exploratory with how they express themselves or how they identify or how they do all these different things through what their clothing is. At the same time, I'm gonna be reining in some things where you know, sorry, son, we're not going to paint our nails and we're not going to do this other stuff. And what is it that you're trying to express? And how can I help you find a way to express that that doesn't lean into androgyny or, or any of these other things that those become slippery slopes really quickly? Mm-hmm. I'm going to go back to the beginning and the end coaching. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and really what, what you do, because I think it's so important and for guys out there that have questions or are not necessarily sure how to how to do things in any aspect of life to feel comfortable, secure, confident in going out and getting help and and viewing that as an investment, you know, not an expense or or I can figure this out. Okay, and I want to get return on that. And I want to work with the best people in their in in their fields and have maybe multiple coaches or other things in there too. Um so I'd like to touch on that a little bit. You know, how do guys work with you? You know, mm-hmm. take me through a little bit about how how this is. Um, kind of maybe where where the lines are in the services you know that you provide, the relationships that you have with your clients, how that comes about. And by the way, do like do they graduate? You know, like in a way, yeah. like okay, at some point do we set them off? Okay. You know, out into the world of like this guy can go shopping for himself now, and and do we do check ins by season or by year? I'm just I'm just curious how the whole thing works. Yeah, yeah, I love all these questions. Okay, um, so to break it down, kind of at the bare roots, uh, I do both group versions of my coaching and a much more involved one-on-one approach, and both of them follow the same system. And the the best way that I can articulate what the difference is as far as my coaching is versus doing a monthly subscription box or hiring a stylist or something else is that those are the equivalent of 
hiring a piano teacher that teaches you how to play one song and tells you that that's the only song that you ever need to play and anything else isn't even music and that that's what it's supposed to be. Whereas what I teach you how to do is get to the point where you not only can play multiple different songs, but you can even start to write your own music. So I, I, I help you become the aesthetic version of what a musician is so that you can express yourself through your clothing the same way that a musician does through their music or the same way that you do now through your written and your spoken word. And so it's much more geared towards getting you to be self-sufficient as opposed to, hey, you got to come back and rehire me every six months. And so to that end, there is very much a graduation point, especially with my one-on-one clients, where it's stop paying me. We're no longer working month to month. We'll still do check-ins. We can still do quarterly stuff, but it's not worth it for you to pay me anymore because you know what you're doing. You, you know how to do this. And that's my goal is to get you to that point where you don't need me anymore. Um, but what we do to kind of show what the system is and how I can get these guys self-sufficient is we tackle three pillars. Um, the first one is just the simple aesthetics. And this is the stuff that we already hit on when it came to stuff like fit, like what works with your body and what doesn't. You know, if you've got really long arms or your torso is too short, or how do we deal with these proportions and make things like that work with color and pattern or all these variables? And honestly, that's where most stylists kind of stop. That's where most style bloggers or YouTubers kind of stop is just this aesthetic stuff. And realistically, if you get that dialed in, you're going to look better than 90% of guys that are out there. And so we start there. From there, we move on to this idea of communication. How do you signal things that you want to signal to the people in your life that matter? Because for a guy who runs a landscaping organization in Texas, he's going to have very different signals that he wants to send. And they're going to be interpreted very differently than somebody who uh, is the CEO of a major hospital network in the Northeast, like whole different worlds. And so I can't say everybody needs to own this suit or everybody needs to wear this type of t-shirt or these pair of shorts or because it's very different. And for some guys, you know, I'm working with a guy right now who is just big and he's very thoughtful, but in a lot of times it can come across as he's almost a little bit surly and he is a, he's a doctor and he works with little old ladies. And so what we're trying to do with him is get his clothing to soften his bedside manner and make him seem more approachable. But that's very different than another guy that I'm working with who uh, works as a consultant for tech firms. And he is a little bit on the smaller side and he's got glasses and he's a little bit more soft-spoken. And so we're trying to add more edge into how he expresses himself to try and balance things out that way. So the communication is very subjective. And so I teach my guys how to navigate that for themselves. And then the third component of it is, is this idea of self-perception. Because, and again, we've hit on this quite a few times, your clothing does so much for how you see yourself. And the goal is to have it be authentic with who you are, but not just authentic with who you currently are, authentic with the best version of yourself. So that when you see yourself in the mirror, you see yourself in that family photo that's hanging up over the mantle, you go, I like that guy. And what your wife will say is, you finally look like the person I know you who uh, I know who you are, as opposed to I know and I love and I respect this man, but he looks like he's still one of the kids or he still looks like a child or something else. And so it's getting the self-perception so that who you are on the outside and who you are on the inside totally aligns together. And then as we work through all of that, they come up with their own very unique sense of style. You hit on something right there that I also want to ask you about really quickly. Um, the wives, yeah, mm-hmm. wives, partners, significant others, whatever wives in there. Are they calling you and hiring you for their nope. husbands? Nope. 
I, I won't do it because a man has to be fully on board with, with what I do for me to be able to make any progress with them. I will never take a begrudging client on because it doesn't work. Yeah. That I totally get. Um, and I agree with that a hundred percent. Why I was asking it because I get a lot of women that reach out. Mm-hmm. I mean, would you work or would you coach my my husband? You know, or or here or does this work? Or would you talk to me about you, the way you coach so that I can then go back right. and kind of weave that? And I'm like, that def that's a definite hard no. Right. Like I'm not kind of coaching you so that you, you can, can go manipulate, no. right? <laughs> Try to coach him. Oh, no, no we're not, that we're not going to do. However. Mm, if I believe again, the intention is totally genuine and I can talk to your husband now, if he is, if he's willing to talk to me, mm-hmm. you go first, tell him that you made this call totally. and here's why, you know, have, have that conversation. Yep. Right? And if he's willing to then have the conversation, be on board with it. We can talk to two of us. We can talk with me and him one-on-one, but unless I agree that unless he's a hundred percent on board, you know, with this, no way. but the women again are, I think, very interested. Totally. And I do think it's something for men to be cognizant of. It's like, look, guys, your your wives want you to be the man they, they married. You know, they want you to be the best that you can possibly be. Look your best, feel your best, be around for a very long time mm-hmm. and not be afraid to in, invest in yourself or seek some help in these areas. And you don't always have to ask us for forgiveness you know, or permission, right. but- just for some support yep. and we'll, and we'll give it to you. Totally. You know, there. totally. Yeah. And that's, that's certainly been my experience is that the, the, the wives of, of my clients end up just loving the results so much because I mean, there's so many good reasons. It can be something as superficial as when we go out, all the other wives are jealous because my husband doesn't look like a big kid, like all their husbands do to things like, I see how much more differently you see yourself and how much more you really feel like you deserve the things that I've always believed you deserve. And that makes me really grateful that, that you're seeing that just because you change your clothes and everything in between. Totally. And um, I think it's such, I think it's such great stuff. We could do this for a very long time. Okay. <laughs> um, and definitely as I start to cover, you know, my six F's and we get into fashion and style, which you talked about is confidence. And I'd love to have you back, you know, Please, I'd um, love to. and, and, and do more of this and get out there, you know, to working with these midlife men that, that you are, you know, I've kind of stay and focus on that lane. But as you know, we keep this movement growing, I think these things are super, super important. They're timely. They're actually timeless mm-hmm. you know, that, that we should be really focusing on and how they make it. So I'd love to do stuff, stuff with you, get it out to other guys and just continue to kind of push forward in this area because I know what it's done you know, for me to start becoming more cognizant, pay more attention, yeah. feel that, you know, um, and you want to pay that you want to pay that forward. Totally. Um, and especially when you see some of these guys that are like right there, like, okay, you're like right there. I got somebody for you to talk to. And that guy is, is Tanner, is Tanner Guzzi and you've got to take a look at him and you got to, yeah, that's the kind of reaction. And that's the stuff that, that I just think is awesome when we can continue to lift everybody up and get people looking, feeling, performing, you know, at, at their very best. Absolutely. So thank you for this. This is, this has been awesome. Man. Yeah. Thanks, Greg. It's been a lot of fun, man. 
Tanner, where do people find you? Okay, so the main site is masculine-style.com. Uh, you can go check that out there. Um, there's some things that you'll be able to do, like even a quick quiz that gives you a general idea of how you should get started with your style, get you on the mailing list. Um, if you are active on social media, uh, the platforms I use the most are um, Twitter and Instagram, and you can find me there on those. It's just Tanner Guzzi, so T-A-N-N-E-R-G-U-Z-Y. Um, and what you'll find is... I do talk about style, but I talk about all the same stuff that Greg does because style is, I think one of the favorite, one of my favorite things about what I do is I'm under no delusions that all you have to do is dress well and your life is great. And a lot of guys will get that way about fitness or they'll get that way about business or they'll get that way about relationships where it's like, you just fix this one thing and everything else is awesome. And I'm with you where it's like, no, you have to have it all dialed in. So I talk about fatherhood. I talk about masculinity. I talk about being an entrepreneur. I talk about my faith. I talk about all of these things that go into, to me, being a well-rounded and trying to be the best version of a man I can be. And so, yeah, you can participate with me on, on the style stuff or on any any of that other stuff too, if you come follow me. Could not agree more. It is all connected. You know, you may have kind of the tip of the spear, you know, or one area that you're that you're primarily focused on. Um, you know, in there, obviously with men's with men's style, but you're absolutely right. I mean, it's all it's all connected. You can look like a million bucks. If you feel like shit inside, it doesn't, it doesn't matter. It, do, it doesn't matter at all. Tanner Guzzi, thank you so much. Hang with me for one second. Guys, if you like what you have heard on the Midlife Mail podcast, please give us that five-star rating. Leave us that review and please go out and share it. Share the Midlife Mail podcast, subscribe to the newsletter, go follow Tanner, okay? Get your style game on and we will be back next week. If you're interested in coaching and taking this conversation deeper so that you can achieve your personal and professional goals, be sure to head over to midlifemail.com and check out the work with me page to explore options.